normally taboo subjects of marital strife and homicide. In the Scott Peterson case, Dr. Robbie Ludwig analyzed, I believe correctly, the motivations of Peterson himself, as well as various police officers, neighbors, attorneys, and family members. Who could ever forget the bombshell testimony, tapes, and court appearance on the witness stand of Peterson's lover, Amber Fry? the angry Lee and Jackie Peterson, blind to the evidence before them, the suffering of Sharon Rocha, the charming guile of Scott Peterson, and the reasoning behind the jury verdict. Dr. Ludwig accurately weighed in on each, clarifying what we observed in the courtroom. I remember distinctly the night Robbie and I sat quietly in a darkened studio, guests together on a Larry King Live broadcast. We were discussing the Peterson trial after hearing that homicide was the leading cause of death among pregnant women. The number one cause of death? I couldn't believe my own ears. After all the domestic homicides and domestic assaults I had prosecuted, I was unaware of that astounding and heartbreaking statistic. In the weeks following, Dr. Ludwig began to make sense of this shocking statistic that plagues our nation. But long before the Peterson case, Dr. Robbie Ludwig was speaking out regarding marriage and murder. From Rabbi Fred Newlander, on trial for arranging the murder of his longtime wife Carol, to the murder trials of Dr. Richard Sharp and novelist Michael Peterson, Dr. Ludwig has become the authority on marital homicide, its causes, its far-reaching implications, and the devastating wake of pain it causes. The depth and insight she brings to the table has broadened my understanding of these heinous acts and of the underlying darkness that is often inherent in so many marriages. Dr. Robbie enlightens us all. Prologue Each day, six people are murdered in the U.S. by a spouse or intimate partner. Another 2,700 people daily, or almost a million per year, are physically assaulted, victims of what the U.S. Department of Justice calls intimate partner violence, violent crimes such as assault, rape, and robbery perpetrated by spouses, boyfriends, and girlfriends. Over the years, many of these cases have attracted national notoriety through extensive coverage on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Court TV, daytime and cable talk shows, the Internet, and newspapers, as millions of viewers and readers try to understand why one spouse would kill another. From David and Clara Harris, to Scott and Lacey Peterson, to O.J. and Nicole Simpson, Americans are fascinated by behind-the-scenes stories of spousal violence. And with each new case and the continual media coverage and fascination it draws, the Peterson case was an international phenomenon, while the Harris case, in which she repeatedly ran over her husband with her car, was also reported around the world and spawned 24-hour coverage, several magazine articles, a book, and even a CBS TV movie, Suburban Madness. We become immersed in another form of reality TV, where the average citizen is taken deep inside the personal lives of husbands and wives to see firsthand what's gone terribly wrong in real time, from tragic event to trial. Why the intense interest? Perhaps because most of us, whether we admit it or not, sometimes have violent, even homicidal thoughts toward our spouse or intimate partner.
While the majority never act on those thoughts, others do. And we are fascinated with these crimes and want to understand how seemingly normal, and in many cases flourishing, lives could unravel in such devastating ways. On another level, violence is a dark contrast to what so many of us still believe in, love, and the ideals and promise that marriage affords us. Like many people, I consider myself an incurable romantic, and there is a part of me that will always believe in walking off into the sunset to live happily ever after. When I was younger, like many children, I assumed I would get married, live in a nice house, and have a couple of kids. I also assumed this very traditional achievement would bring me endless happiness and romance. So much so that during my college years I considered girls engaged by graduation to be the epitome of success. Perhaps, needless to say, I was not one of those girls. I remained single throughout my twenties, and the thought of being single in my forties scared me. I simply couldn't imagine how anyone that age could live a happy life if she had yet to find her Prince Charming. To me, a woman in that situation seemed so alone. And I equated marriage with all that was good and passionate in life. Of course, I knew that not all marriages were healthy or fulfilling, but I did believe that if one chose properly, her romantic ideal was just a careful selection away. I eventually found my romantic ideal in David, a successful New York physician. We have two beautiful children, and my husband and I have busy, hectic, and fulfilling professional and personal schedules. But during our time together, my image of marriage has become more realistic. Marriage is not perpetual bliss. It's a work in progress. But knowing that hasn't changed the high priority I place on achieving a successful marital relationship for myself, as well as for my patients. One of my specialties as a New York-based psychotherapist is creating healthy relationships. During my professional career, I have found human interactions one of the most interesting and challenging aspects of my practice. One of my goals is to help my patients understand and support human connections and the contributions they make to a fulfilled and joyful life. While my career as a therapist focuses primarily on the unifying aspects of relationships, I have become, in recent years, an expert on the deadly relationships, expanding my early career as a television reporter to discussing these cases and the motivations behind them before millions of television viewers who often wonder and ask the most obvious question, why do these cases make their way into the public consciousness and permanently reside there? It's not just due to voyeurism or an attraction to true crime. The root of the interest in these cases becomes apparent when one listens to the types of questions asked by many callers who phone in seeking answers. Robbie, how could such a normal-seeming guy be driven to kill his pregnant wife? Robbie, why would a man drug his own girlfriend? Robbie, why would a woman run over her husband with a car? Real people want to understand the motivations that drive real people over the edge. Despite our fascination with the extravagance of celebrity lives, viewers may never be able to relate to them, but they can relate to the next-door neighbor whose seemingly stable marriage serves as a cover for violent impulses that explode in murderous assault. I, for one, was always fascinated by the people who actually crossed over the line and acted on their most severe and devastating impulses and fantasies, in part because I was aware of my own vengeful fantasies when I was angry, 
without ever acting on them, of course. I was curious about why someone would act on such an impulse as opposed to not act on it. What made such a person different from most people? My interest in those dark impulses widened, and today, between my television work and private practice, I deal with the very real problems of people who, in many instances, revealed their darker impulses from engaging in affairs to committing violence. In fact, many of the marital homicide cases I've analyzed for Court TV, Larry King Live, Nancy Grace, and Oprah repeated a distinctive pattern. For example, it was not uncommon for these couples to appear to be happy and in love. Very often the cases involved love-at-first-sight couples who fell head over heels for each other. Many were high school or college sweethearts and the envy of their friends and relatives. These spouses were often considered a romantic pair, beloved by their in-laws and respected within the community. No one would ever have imagined that death was right around the corner. They seemed to be too perfect and in love for that. So again, we get back to the questions people ask me so often. How could these seemingly happy, loving couples end up killing the other? Were there any signs? Was it true that some intimate partner homicides were more predictable than others? The answers are both simple and complex. In some of these marriages, there was clear evidence of domestic violence that had escalated to a predictably lethal degree. In other instances, the husband or wife just seemed to snap with no warning, no signs. One day they were both alive, and the next day one spouse was dead, killed by the other. The research and discussion of these cases over the last few years captivated me as much as the audience, and I developed an expertise in understanding the motivations for this phenomenon. So when my literary agent called to ask if I might be interested in writing about marriage and murder, I was intrigued.